Magic Seekers and welcome to Turns Out She's a Witch. We're your hosts Tracy and Shannon and welcome to our podcast coven. well how are you going good and we've got something to celebrate because you finally have your slab poured and your frames coming up yeah certainly do it's been a very very long 18 months but we are getting there things are coming together for our new house and studio so Mm -hmm. all the daisies excited yeah so exciting hopefully you'll be in air conditioning come summer (laughs) Uh, Maybe not that quickly, but (laughs) that would be amazing. But we're hoping to be in there perhaps for my birthday, which is 6th of March. If not, sometime in March would be awesome. And anything that happens sooner than that is a bonus. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we have a massive episode today and we're going to be talking about Spring Equinox. We sure are. The wheel of the year is turning again. So we thought it would be a good time to bring some information to light for our listeners so they can celebrate it. Mm-hmm. And so on the wheel of the year, what is spring equinox called? So spring equinox is known as Astara. Uh, and in Christianity is Easter. So you've got to remember we're in the Southern Hemisphere. So that is why we're celebrating Ostara because it coincides with spring. So it's typically between the 20th and the 23rd of September every year. And it's happening this Thursday on the 23rd. Yeah, and it's in the same week as a full moon. It sure is. So we have the full moon today when the podcast gets released. So today would be a perfect time to do like a full moon burning ritual, like write down all that no longer serves you and burn it under the full moon, sage your home, give everything a really good spring clean in preparation for spring equinox on Thursday. I will be doing that. Absolutely. I was on Clubhouse yesterday talking to a guy who was so interested in being able to cleanse the energy away of an ex relationship that he's just, um, a toxic relationship that he's just become the ex in. Um, and he's like, where can I get this sage that you speak of <laughs> <laughs> to prepare him for the full moon? So, um, yeah, I am looking forward because over the last couple of weeks, I've been doing lots of tidying and cleaning around the house and outside so this full moon cleanse for us here is going to be a great one because everything's nice and clean and tidy and everything's been you know thrown out that just doesn't serve a purpose anymore we've fixed things that were broken and I'm really looking forward to next week or well this week yeah well it sounds like you're feeling the energy of Mm -hmm of uh, Astara because it's all about Mm -hmm. new beginnings, fertility, abundance and new life and fresh starts. And think about the energy as it's like fertile, it coaxes chicks from their eggs, rabbits from their burrows, seedlings from the soil, and it's about celebrating the perfect balance of light and dark and the emergence of life and the sun's journey to greater illumination. So Uh, On Thursday, it'll be equal amounts of daylight and night as well. So hence why it's called Equinox. Mm -hmm. And so the um, summer solstice is like the opposite of spring equinox. No, of winter, winter solstice. So autumn equinox is the opposite of spring equinox. So on the autumn equinox, it's it's equal as well. Yes, yes, you've got your two equinoxes with equal day and night and then summer solstice and winter solstice. So summer solstice is the longest day of the year and winter solstice is the shortest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they're probably the four main pivot points, I dare say, within the wheel. Mm. Mm. So what are the associations of this Sabbath? So this one, the themes are around like balance of light and dark, so the feminine and masculine creation, fertility, rebirth and growth. And the association is the element of air and the maiden energy. So 
once again thinking about uh, new beginnings and that fresh growth. So maybe that's why I'm welcoming it because I'm an air sign. And after yeah. last week, we discovered that the week before last, we discovered that I'm actually probably more air than I would care to care to admit. Okay, <laughs> cool. Um, and so let me think, because my next question that um, that we have for this is colours, but it always surprises me. Like uh, when, we've, we, when we've been doing the Sabbath, some of the colours don't surprise me at all that you'll say. And then others, I'm like, wow, really? That, that, that's a colour that's associated with that. And once you explain it, I can get my head around it and I can understand it. But at first, I wouldn't associate a lot of the colours with the with the Sabbath. So with Ostara, would, can I guess what the colours are? Yes, please. Yellow? Yes. Pink? Yes. And blue? Or yes. green? Blue and green. Yes. Green. All the pastel colours, basically, Yay. for those lovely shades. Or, you know, think about the usual Easter decorations, how they're in those lovely mm-hmm. soft tones. So, like, yeah, your soft purples and blues and pinks. The baby and, blues and the baby pinks. Yeah, they are quite mm-hmm. baby colours, definitely. But I'm going to throw a little spanner in there. Black and white are oh, also... I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> because it's about that balance of mm. night and day. So, yeah. So altars, um, we would be bringing those colours in this week. We'd be you'd be changing your altar out about now, and you'd be bringing in yes. those colours. And yes, for sure. What other things would you be putting on your altar? Well, crystals. So the crystals associated with uh, Ostara are amazonite, amethyst, aquamarine, rose quartz, and green adventuring. So they're all those oh. beautiful colours as well. So you could incorporate those. And, yeah, definitely um, in other ways, like your altar cloth, candles, flowers, uh, anything that brings that spring energy through. So Mm -hmm. it's just all about pretty, beautiful life. Fresh. Yeah. All right. So with the the other Sabbaths, um, we've talked about food uh, and how sometimes even on your altar that you're putting some foods on there. Um, but what? Let's, let's go to foods. So what about the foods for spring equinox, for Astara? What would you put on your altar? What would you eat? How would you celebrate? Yeah, well, these ones are some of my favourites. So honey. Honey is a big one. And egg dishes, hot cross buns, lamb, new potatoes and edible flowers. So they're all really good foods to celebrate with a meal on a stara or as you say having some on your altar as well oh so the sweet things yeah all the good things the good things i love hot cross buns oh so do i they're dangerous oh, oh they're so good but <laughs> hot cross buns and scones they are the best with jam strawberry jam mm-hmm. yum they are and, good and uh honey as well i just picked up a Big ass jar from our local honey dealer. Oh, is that Merit? Um, it is. Yeah, from Ahimsa. Uh, I love her honey. And I funny story though. So I buy the one kilo jars because we we go through honey like no tomorrow in this house. But the first time I bought the one kilo jar, um, she gifted me a squeezy bottle. So because the kids love squeezy honey, and they didn't like the fact that the honey was in the jar. And so I was making a joke with her about how I need to, she needs to make squeezy bottle ones. So she ended up buying me these big, like massive one litre um, honey sort of oh, wow. dispenser thing. And I was trying, I went to go and fill it up and I was getting the honey out of the cupboard from the jar and I dropped it. Oh no, it's like liquid and gold. half a kilo of liquid gold honey just made a new floor on my walk-in pantry (laughs) it leveled that baby out and it the whole pantry smelt like honey for about a week wow and I like I'm convinced that there is still honey in the floorboards and still like it I was petrified that ants that it was going to bring ants but it didn't um but I was like no liquid gold and I bet that was super fun to clean up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, it was a nightmare to clean up and it was just, 
it just felt so wasteful and I yeah. felt so bad and I was sad for the bees and I was like, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so attached to the bloody honey. And I then she it. finally messaged me the other day and she's just like, the girls have produced some honey. Do you want some? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. Mm. So we've got the big jar and it's sitting on the kitchen bench and I'm not moving it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not allowed to touch the honey. <laughs> Yes. So, um, okay. So on spring equinox, like when we, when you were talking about winter solstice and, um, the other Sabbaths, you tend to feast a little bit. So do you feast in spring equinox? On a yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. We make a, a, a point of having a celebration dinner for each point in the turning of the wheel. And you don't have to do that, but that's just what we choose to do it just to acknowledge that day and to, yeah, sit there and be part of that festival as our ancestors would have. So you'll have potatoes have. and lamb and things like that? Yeah, that's the plan. We'll have a, a lovely lamb roast and I dare say uh, Layla will probably attempt some hot cross buns. She's been cooking her little tush off during this lockdown and she's mastered scones, so I think um, hot cross buns will be next on the list. Well, tell her she needs to teach me how to do the scones because for the life of me I cannot cook scones. I cook rocks. there's a certain knack to it that's for sure there is okay moving on let's move to plants and essential oils so which ones are for ostara so you've got geranium rose iris violet dandelion mint frankincense rosemary sandalwood and one of my favorites lemon balm so they're all those beautiful Spring. Spring. Spring essences and fresh and... Mm. Yeah. The smell of spring has sprung. You kind of oh. you smell it in the air in the morning and at the night. You can smell it now, definitely. There's, that sh- there's been a shift. Even though we've had a little cold snap again, you can still smell all the flowers blooming and everything coming to yeah. life again. Mm. I live in a valley and when you go out in the afternoon um, on a nice day, especially the summery days that we had last week... Um, you can smell the flowers just wafting through the valley and it's so beautiful. It's such a rich experience as well because it's it's not one flower you can smell. It's all mm. the flowers that you can smell. And I, it's one of my favourite times of the afternoon. You kind of got to get there. You kind of got to be sitting out the front right on cue of dusk. Yeah. Like it, it really just needs to be shifting. The sun just has to have gone behind the mountain and then you get this powerful smell and it's usually quite warm, like a warm breeze, like a, a westerly wind kind of coming across and so beautiful. It's sweet and it's deep. It is. And I think if we didn't have the harsh cold of winter when everything, you know, you walk outside and that air kind of hits you in the face and we wouldn't appreciate the warmness and that, that scent returning. I think if it was there all the time, you wouldn't notice it. So I think that's yeah. a, a beautiful thing about the seasons and acknowledging that change. Absolutely. And springtime is that that um, fresh mown grass smell mm. and, and that hay morning fever. dew smell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't get hay fever, hay fever, so I can I can sympathise, but I, I don't I don't get it, so I don't really know. But um, yeah, such so many beautiful smells in springtime. Mm. Okay, all right. So apart from the feast, what other kind of things can we do for Astara? So celebration-wise, what can we do to mark the occasion? Yeah, well, you can do egg dyeing. So that's a lovely thing to do with kids and as a family as well. And the feasting. It's also a great time for fertility rites. So whether that's uh, fertility, like if you're trying to conceive or if it's just more like abundance, that kind of fertility. So uh, it's sex a good... season. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> so it's a good time for that. And planting seeds, so both in your garden and metaphysically. So, um, yeah, plant seeds, you know, to plant out your garden bed or little seedlings or intention setting at this time uh, to see things grow throughout the summer months. Mm. Just from a spiritual perspective, I wanted to add something in here as well. So springtime is the time for me where I start to notice the flowers that are sprouting or the weeds that are sprouting in my garden, like so to speak. So 
Winter is my dormant time. Autumn, the season before that, is my time to really um, stir up anything that I want to get rid of before I go into my hibernation so that it doesn't fester through winter and then I'm not pushing up daisies in spring that, you know, that I don't want and weeds and things. Um, so what I do as well, like when you were talking before about the black and the white and the honouring of the two sides, for me springtime is such a, a time where I also do massive self-awareness aware, assessments. I was going to say aware assessment. So self-awareness assessments in terms of, okay, what is still here? Now that mm. I've come out and the sun has started to shine, I've crept out of my cave and I've dusted off everything, what is still here that no longer serves me or what have am I noticing? Oh, I was didn't realise that that was actually such a big thing but because I haven't seen it in a while, it's like front and centre now and I need to make sure that I put that on my list come autumn to get rid of. Mm. So, um, and, and, it, and I don't think you would call it a celebration but it's definitely a ritual that I do at this time that is, okay, let's be real. It's all nice to see all the fun stuff and the nice stuff and the fluffy stuff and the pretty stuff, but let's be real. What's also there that I wish wasn't? Like what mm. What weeds are growing? Yeah, that, what's still coming through. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I love um, that. Okay, so what are the symbols that we associate with Astara? Like so we've done like the eggs and, and all that kind of stuff, but what other symbols are there? Yeah, well, you've got the new moon. Yep. And the god and the goddess, so that black, white, uh, night and day, and the rabbit or hare. So to delve into it a little bit more, so eggs, I love this um, symbology. So the yellow yolk that physically enables the growth of a chick represents the sun and our outer selves, and the egg white that cradles the chick represents our inner self and the moon. So I thought that was really beautiful. Mm. And... I have a book of symbols and I will refer to this in the show notes, but it had a reflection on the symbolism of the egg and I thought I would read it out because I found it really interesting. So each Everyone spring... Everyone settle oh, yeah. in for, for a Shannon story. <laughs> story time with Shannon. Telling a good story. It's my Scottish ancestry, what can I say? <laughs> so each spring, possibility returns in thousands and thousands of eggs Jelly-like eggs of fish and frogs shimmer in the shallow waters. In nests of all kinds, turtles and other reptiles lay eggs contained in leathery membranes, while birds lay and brood variously tinged and dappled eggs whose hard shells are both permeable to respiratory gases and relatively impermeable to water. The egg evoked the beginning, the simple, the source. The egg is the mysterious centre around which unconscious energies move in a spiral-like dance, gradually bringing the vital substance to life. Alchemy depicted in the germ of the egg contained in the yolk as the sun point, the small invisible dot from which all beings have their origin. In th it is also the creative fire point within ourselves, the soul in the midpoint of the heart, the quintessence or golden germ that is set into motion by a hen's warmth. So I thought that was really a beautiful summary about our, our humble little egg. It's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So I must admit that I thought it was going to be an Easter Bunny story. So tell me, how does the Easter Bunny come <laughs> into all of this? All the, like I understand the hair and the bunny because at, at springtime the rabbits have but they're breeding and there's bunnies everywhere. Yeah. And I get that. But where does the Easter bunny come into it? Is it because of the eggs? Well, there's a story around that too. So the bunny was originally a hare um, mm -hmm. and it's an animal surrounded by so much myth, legend and superstition over many cultures. So hares are solitary except in spring when the bucks and does perform elaborate mating rituals and hares are capable of speeds up to 40 kilometres an hour. I know, right? And they can change direction rapidly and jump seven metres with ease. So they're quite amazing, kind of freaky animals. And apparently they also have a hideous childlike scream when they're caught or injured, mm -hmm. which is said to have convinced our ancestors that hares were more than just a mere animal. So they did see them as this supernatural kind of being. 
So they are also a symbol of fertility as they have the extraordinary ability to be pregnant and conceive at the same time. Whoa! Yeah, so they can carry two or more fetuses at different stages of growth, which just blows my mind, and they can produce up to four litres a year. So some folklores claim that the hares carried the light for the goddess Astara as she lit the spring dawn. And perhaps the strangest of all unexplained connections between hares, paganism and Christianity is the iconography in early medieval churches and cathedrals throughout Britain. So it depicts three hairs running joined by the tips of their ears to form a triangle. So I will try and find I some images of this. I thought you just said like three hairs running joined by the tits. <laughs> <laughs> and then you went over the ears. Tips of the ears. <laughs> T-I-P. <laughs> So, yeah, so this symbolism is found in many churches across the British Isles as well in sacred sites in the Middle East and across Europe and Russia. So I found that really interesting wow. that the church brought that that symbol, like it's very pagan, yeah. into their, their buildings and their architecture. So wow, I will definitely that's, post that's, some photos. That's a very interesting piece of knowledge right there. Mm, yeah. Have you ever heard a bunny scream, a rabbit scream? No, and we had a, a, a rabbit, but no, I've never heard a bunny scream. We had a bunny for a little while before we got the puppy and then realised that Dash thought they were playing, but the bunny didn't think that they were playing. And we had to rehome him, but his name was Smokey Quartz. And of course, and um, <laughs> he, I only ever heard him scream once, but I'm really glad it was only ever once because it was like, stops you in your tracks it makes your heart jump into your throat oh it's my like gosh. what on earth was that it's a noise that comes from a place that you don't know where it comes from it's like how where is that noise from it is not of this earth it is such wow. a weird noise well have you ever seen a hair like I know we don't actually have hairs in Australia but um when Evie was a exchange student in Japan she stayed with um, this girl called Mai who we had the year before here in Australia and yeah she said to Evie oh I've got a I've got a rabbit I've got a bunny and Evie walks in and there's this giant hare and that was their their pet and she goes it was the most freaky thing it was giant <laughs> like there's this massive rabbit with huge ears and it was super tame it would just like cruise around the house and but yeah she was quite it's freaked like out. A dog. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. weird. It's if you think about like movies, like scary movies, they have the hairs. They're exactly like that. Yeah, it's exactly like that. They're 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 freaky looking. So you can understand, very, I guess, the superstition around them. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I don't like hairs. I, I think they're, they're they're very they're freaky. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I, I it's take. I'm having like vague flashbacks of a movie that I watched when I was younger of some kind of um, person dressed up in a costume of a hair, and the person was evil, and they were hiding like they they used the costume as kind of a way to do what they were doing. Um, and I can't remember what it was, but I'm just I'm just having vague like little flashbacks <laughs> of it, and I feel sick in my stomach. I'm like, okay, let's move on. Let's move on from the hairs joined together with their the tips of their ears, not their tits. Um, so, all right, what about um, rituals? So I know there's like celebrations, and I was talking about my little ritual in terms of assessing what's there that you don't want to grow in your garden um, and nipping it in the butt when you can. But what other kind of rituals should we do at Spring Equinox? Yeah, well, decorating your altar, of course, uh, and trying to incorporate the symbology of an egg. So whether you want to do that through painted eggshells or crystal eggs or even timber eggs, like you can get little wooden ones, uh, mm -hmm. you can, yeah, do that in many, many ways. And they represent the god and the goddess working in unison so that the egg yolk and the egg white. Um, so that's a, a beautiful thing to have on your altar. Also bathing in the ocean or a fresh body of water to cleanse, restore and balance and connect with nature. So that's a really wonderful thing to do on Astara. As we discussed before, so spring cleaning your home and decluttering. And it's energetically clearing out the old to make way for the new. So and yeah, getting rid of all that stagnant energy and 
At this time, I also like to refresh the black salt at the front and back uh, doors of my home, like those thresholds. So it's a good time to kind of, yeah, reassess your boundaries and just freshen things up uh, energetically as well as physically. And also a good time um, to dust off your altar and make sure everything's clean and fresh. For all the green witches out there, plant something. So spring equinox is the perfect time to plant seeds, seeds in your garden if you haven't done that already. And choose a seed you would like to grow and think of an intention you'd dearly like to see manifest in your own life. So while either preparing the garden bed or the pot, think of the earth being fertile and supportive of growth. And while planting the seed, keep your intention in mind and visualising it coming to life. So you can also chant or repeat a mantra if that feels right for you and then nurture that plant with water, sunlight and attention. Like don't just plant it and forget about it. When you tend to the seedlings, visualise your intention uh, you set when you planted it and this is a co-creation. So be sure to take the steps in your life to reach that goal as well. So metaphysically, as the plant grows, your intentions should also be coming to life as well. There's also many different kinds of spells that would be great to cast on Astara. So the day and night are of equal length, as I mentioned before. So you might want to cast a spell to bring more balance into your life. If you're trying to conceive, do fertility spells. Another big theme of Astara is new beginnings and starting fresh. So spells around love, connection, rebirth and renewal, creativity and motivation are ideal to perform at this time as well. So Astara is as much about the fertility of the earth as it is about our own fertility. So find a park or a bushwalk and go there and observe the growth of the plants and the blooming of the seasonal flowers and like watch for the animal activity. Like I've noticed heaps of little ducklings around here lately and they're so cute and wattle, like we've just got so much wattle coming to life and it always reminds me um, you know, it's spring, spring coming back and the end of winter, they're kind of the two main things that I've noticed recently. So, yeah. Well, they're all beautiful things. And when you say about um, like planting seeds and tending to it and nurturing it, one of the things that I've noticed about myself over the last couple of years um, is that my gardening skills are a direct reflection of the way that I live my life, which is, <laughs> has been a very sobering um, awareness, self-awareness this year, because I can't grow things for the life of me. And it's because I don't like to nurture things. I don't like to, um, I don't like to tend to things frequently. And, and I think it's because that's how I am. And I, I honestly think that that it is a that it must be some kind of personality trait of mine that may be on um, the spectrum of some sort that recognizes that okay I am extremely empathic and all of that but I don't require nurturing so I struggle to think about other people needing that nurturing. Mm-hmm. And so to, to grow and to prosper, I've learned how to do that on my own and I've had to do it on my own and I survive and I thrive and I shine and I, I bloom and I do all of that because of me and what I do for me. And then everything else is amazing, but I do it for me. And if I didn't have everything else, I'd still be doing it. And so it's kind of, it's not an expectation that I have of everyone else and everything else like plants, but it's, it's just, it was it's not even an expectation. It's not just I expect it. It's just a, it is what it is. And I, I've never really consciously thought about it. But in the last year, because of the, this year, because of the second round of COVID for us with lockdown, but last year I started to notice it first. And this year it's like, yep, that's an actual, an actual thing for me. It's an actual yeah. thing. I, I, I don't think it's, it's not that I don't want to, I'm just not of the mind to think that people need to be nurtured and mm. plants, I don't like to do the nurturing. So that's why I suck at it because <laughs> I don't want to. I just want to put it in and I want to. I want it to grow. Why you aren't you growing? Forget. Why aren't you growing? Yeah, okay, cool. I'll just go and buy a ready-grown one and I'll get as much out of it as I can and then I'll get a <laughs> die and then I'll get another one that's fully grown. 
Oh, I don't know. But do you know what I did do on the weekend? We we went out the back and we um. So Laura actually came over a couple of years ago and did a huge big garden out the back for us mm-hmm. of all the cuttings off her yard. And Matt and I were out there on Sunday and we really just ripped it apart, cleaned it out, did a whole heap of transplanting and really just let everything shine that was working out what really grows in that space and what's not so much growing in that space. Um, and in there were some ginger ginger plants. Mm-hmm. And so I Googled ginger and I pulled it out and I harvested all of the <gasps> ginger plants and I got all of these, these ginger Oh, my root gosh. And I cleaned it and I cut it and I derooted it and then I put it for free to my on my community webs, on my community Facebook page and I just oh, said, beautiful. if anyone wants any ginger, I'm putting it out the front of the letterbox to save a walk up the driveway. And 27 people commented and were just like, oh, my God, I'm going to be there. Is there any left? Oh, my God, you've made us so happy and... You know, Aww, can we freeze this? Can you teach beautiful. me how to grow this? Yeah, and I actually found it so amazing to sit down and clean it and cut it and slice it and take care in preparing it for other people. Yeah. And I, I was thinking to myself, like, I think that because I'm such a service person, it's mm-hmm. not it's it's a different way of how I nurture people. So it's not that I don't, it's just that I come in at a different point. Yeah. Of the process. Yeah. It's kind of like I come in at the time where it's the useful time rather than the underground Planting. time. Yeah. I so wonder if it's connected to perhaps past life stuff too where you would have been more hands in soil growing to sustain yourself and your community and I don't know, I feel like as humans, I know that's how I feel when I, I garden. It's like this, ah, oh, can't even explain it. It's like you're connected to something bigger and part of the cycle of earth and life and yeah yeah. and how you can make it be because like I mean that ginger could have just sat there yeah and sat there and sat there and Mm -hmm. it took a human to be able to bring it up out of the soil into the light and pass it on yeah and people are enjoying it yeah otherwise you would never know like you would just never know that that, that that was there and that was doing that. Yeah. Um, maybe it's your little inner farmer came out to play. Maybe. I tend to think <laughs> of it kind of like, because I know it's my past life, uh, not my past life, my last life, um, I kind of feel like I've just been given this whole, like I don't, I don't need anything. It's just like yeah. I, I have no attachment to anything. I'm completely non-attached and I think that mm-hmm. that's probably got something to do with it. But anyway, I could talk about that forever. Let's get back on track. I want to know. <laughs> I want to know. You, you were mentioning before about the gods and the goddesses, but I want to know about the deities. Talk to me about the deities when it comes to spring equinox. Absolutely. So you've got um, Istra, which is Germanic, Gaia, which is Greek, Freya, who is from the Norse pantheon, and Venus from the Romans. So the Anglo-Saxon goddess Astara, otherwise known as Istra or Ustra is the Germanic goddess of spring and the dawn. So the name Istra is related to that of Eos, the Greek goddess of dawn that we covered in the air element episode of the podcast recently. So both can be traced back to the proto-Indo-European goddess of dawn. So some scholars have speculated that Astara is 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 a form of the Norse goddess Freya, so whatever name you wish to call her, it's very evident every year that her energy is that fir- first warm spring wind, the birds that return, the trees that shoot forth with new leaves and flowers. She is the awakening of the earth, the rabbits and hares, the eggs that appear after winter. So you might not know that chickens who are kept in natural light uh, quit laying in the winter when the days are short and they begin to lay again as the days lengthen. So their eggs were a valued and very welcome protein source for our winter-starved ancestors. So Astara's legacy is all of those coloured eggs, which many of us know as Easter eggs. That is cool. I like Astara. And a lot of those um, goddesses that you mentioned are all ones that are actually quite well known. They're very mainstream. Mm, they are. Yeah, they're all fertility yeah. fertility goddesses. It's mm. interesting. Um, so I have a question. Ostara and Easter. So Easter mm-hmm. is if you're if you kind of have no idea about paganism, 
Easter is a Catholic Christian celebration, mm-hmm. but we know better. <laughs> yes. Um, so talk to me about how it became what it is today. Yeah, so I've really done some uh, research into this one. And in 595 AD, Pope Gregory sent a mission of 40 monks led by a Benedictine called Augustine to England with instructions to convert the pagan inhabitants to Christianity. So Augustine was advised to allow the outward forms of the old heathen festivals and beliefs to remain (laughs) intact. I love the word heathen but wherever possible to superimpose Christian ceremonies and philosophies onto them. Um, We have chatted about this before. So the sheer scale of the task confronting this small group of missionaries was so huge that halfway from the long trip uh, from Rome, they got cold feet and decided to turn back. They were only too aware that the (laughs) pagans of Britain believed that every plant, tree, stream, rock, hill or animal had its own soul and its own guardian deity. So before any tree could be cut down, a stream dammed, a mountain crossed or water drunk from um, an animal, like a source or an animal disturbed, the individual guardian spirit had first better be appeased. So every aspect of the weather and wind also had its own god or goddesses. But two years later, the anxious group of monks arrived in Canterbury, England, and began the endeavour to carry out the church's instructions. So Pope Gregory's mandate of conversion through coercion was brilliant in its simplicity, that the easygoing but deeply superstitious Anglo-Saxon peasants would not object if the seasonal festivities of the pagan calendar were Christianised, provided that the ancient celebrations remained basically unchanged. So gradually the main heathen feasts became days of honouring Christ or of the Christian martyrs, and the church had plenty of saints on hand to do this. So over several centuries, all the pagan days of weather prediction, at least 40 in the year, were were given saints' names, and the big feast days were converted to Christian festivals. So, for instance, on Imolk, which is the 2nd of February in the Northern Hemisphere and celebrates the first signs of new growth, became Candlemas, the Feast of the Purification of the Virgin. Lunasar on the 1st of August was the celebration of the start of the harvest. It became known as Lummus or St. Peter's, St. Peter in Fetters Day, when bread baked from the new crop was blessed. The great festival of Samhain on the 31st of October marked the end of the light or the growing half of the year and the start of the dark or the dead half. So pagans believed that the spirits of their ancestors became active at nightfall on Samhain and the church was quick to rec- like to create All Souls Night followed by All Saints Day. The 12-day festival of Yule at the end of December became the celebration of Christ's birth. However, one festival was so ancient, so deeply entrenched in the pagan psyche that the church did not attempt to change its name and that was Easter. The Holy Scriptures say that the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus occurred around the time of the Jewish Passover, which equates to spring. So Easter was established in Western Europe by the First Council of Nicaea in 325 AD to be held on the Sunday after the full moon following the equinox, the day from which the hours of sunlight become progressively longer. So that is the rundown of how Istra or Ostara became Easter. Mm. I, I kind of see in that that maybe it is its own... Catholic or Christian thing on its own. Yeah, like true. Because of the Jesus resurrection. Yeah. Um, like that happened and it just so happened around the same time. Yeah, so they are linked. They are interwoven yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're linked but they're not the same. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, I found it really interesting. Yeah. It gets more interestinger and more interestinger. It's like curiouser and curiouser, <laughs> interestinger and interestinger. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I hope and everyone yes. You said in there too, um, the days of conversion through coercion. And I was like, oh. Oh, no, mandating conversion through coercion were your words. And I wanted to ask you, did you intentionally put that in there? 
<laughs> maybe I did. Maybe I did. <laughs> Have I you think got it's... mandating through <laughs> mandating conversion through coercion on your mind, Shannon? <laughs> Just a wee bit. That's an episode. That's another whole episode, I think. But um, uh, yeah, look, I think it was relevant back then. I think it's relevant now, and that's all uh-huh. I'm going to say. <laughs> well. Positions of power feel that they have that uh, ability to mandate conversion through coercion, and that's all we'll mm-hmm. say. Yes. Um, I don't think Laura will let me talk about what I would like to talk about on, a, on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and for those of us who are listening, for those of our listeners overseas, um, I was talking to one of my clients this morning and I was telling her about how over here you can't, like, there is no freedom of speech essentially. Like, you get no. shut down, you, you can't. If you're heard saying something, they shut you down, they take you off, they silence you. And she was just mortified. She's just like, are you ki-? And she's an Australian living over there. She's like, are you kidding me? Australia. Australia is doing that. Mm. Uh, she goes, that, that made me, uh, she's like, I, I wondered why people like weren't saying certain things. It's like, well, we, we would lose our podcast it would, yeah. it would, it would go away. I would lose my Instagram, my, my Facebook. And it's not about me. It's about the community that's there and the service that it provides and the source of whatever my social media or whatever provides and whatever the podcast provides. It's not about me. It's about you guys. And so I would not put that in jeopardy because no. it's for you guys. It's not for me. Um, mm-hmm. And as much as personal opinions are, you know, are valuable and can put out there sometimes you've got to put your your ultimate end goal mm. in front of in front of things that happen to be at the forefront of everybody else's mind at the moment so I'm sticking with my end goal <laughs> mm. which is yes. to make it through unscathed yeah definitely and I also think um you know everyone's entitled to their own opinion and their own beliefs um, in all facets of life and the current situation I think should be the same and people should respect Mm. yeah you might not agree but just respect where people are coming from no matter what side of the fence they're on or no matter what they choose to do it's just about kindness and yeah just respect and over the last like however long last decade or so the phrase no means no is not just relevant towards rape and sexual abuse and assault. It's relevant to everything. No means no. And so if you are trying to sway someone or influence someone based on your judgment of a situation, regardless of what that is in any way, shape or form of life or any question, Mm -hmm. if they say say no, respect that answer and back off and go and bark up another tree. Yeah. Just shut Mm -hmm. up. Because yeah. it's going to either destroy the relationship, destroy any opportunity of you getting what you want anyway, which you shouldn't get what you want for someone else. They should get what they want. But like, when did we stop listening to people? And fear can can cause that. Fear can can blind people, obviously, and can you know make people deaf, and it can it can make people lose rational thought and and logic but at the same time like just listen to the people answer you and respond to you and just respect what they're saying just respect Mm. it and back off we're all adults and we can Mm -hmm. all we can all think for ourselves and yeah uh, I could go on about it forever (laughs) but I want to hear about divine tool of the week I'm going to try. I've decided every week I'm just going to make it just be whatever it comes out as. I love it. That was very, a very hearty intro for this one. I love it. (laughs) So the divine tool of the week is lemon balm. So I did mention that that as, yes, as part of uh, the herbs of Astara. And it's one of my favourites. And I have the most glorious pot of lemon balm growing at the moment. I'm going to have to post a photo of it. It is just beautiful and it smells amazing. So this herb, also known as Melissa, is a member of the mint family and has been adored by bees and it's been used for thousands of years for healing and to ease everything from depression, insomnia to common colds. So it makes a really delicious tea and its powerful oil oil is a key element in many perfumes and cosmetics as well. 
So the famous physician uh, Paracelsus, who I mentioned in the element series, so he's the one that categorised the four elemental beings. So he claimed that the herb could revitalise every part of the body. It was so well known as a healing herb that King Charles V and the Prince of Glamorgan drank the tea every day. The prince lived to be 108 years old. So because of its reputation to strengthen the heart and to lift the spirits, it was an important ingredient in medieval cordials, also known as elixirs of youth. So lemon balm is notorious for successfully treating a wide variety of ailments. Some of these um, most famous ones are fevers, depression, nervous tension. It's a digestive aid. It can help headaches, menstrual cramps and heart spasms. So because it acts as a sedative, the leaves are also reputed to lower blood pressure. So lemon balm is a herb that can be given to children and the elderly because of its gentle nature and its effectiveness. So lemon balm also shows amazing antibacterial and antiviral properties and has been proven to help combat cold sores and other viruses. It also contains antihistamine properties useful for treating eczema and allergic reactions. So externally, the herb is used for treating insect bites and minor wounds. And lemon balm can also be used uh, the same way that other mint plants are used, so for upset stomach and for gas. So the oil is used in aromatherapy for easing depression and calming nervous tension. So in pre-Hellenic mythology, the priestesses of Aphrodite were called Melissa. So Aphrodite is the fertility goddess and honey cakes shaped as female images were often made for festivals in honour of her. It's also associated with the divine feminine, the planet Venus, the moon and water. So lemon balm is a powerful love, success and healing herb. So you can use it in herbs uh, as a herb in spells of love and you can also place some of the leaves in your bath water to attract a lover. So it's super easy to grow but it can run wild through your garden like most mint species so it's better to keep it in a pot rather than in the main garden bed. Um, but yeah, it's one of my favourites and I'll quite often just walk past my little pot of it and pick off a few leaves and crush it in my hand and smell it or eat it. It's just... It's the best. Beautiful. So get yourself some lemon balm, people. It sounds like a like an all-rounder. It really is. Yeah. It kind of just does everything. It does. It's I need yeah. some. Is it you easy do. to keep alive? Super easy. <laughs> it just needs a little bit of water. That's all. And I can I do also, that. I can do water. You can do that. And I fed mine. Um, I cut all of my plants back Um Oh, it would have been about a month ago and I gave them a good dose of like seaweed solution and it has just gone off. So I dare say they love seaweed. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. We were, like I said before on Sunday, we were outside doing some gardening and we went around the side where I wanted to put some ones that we pulled out and take some out and put them in the other garden. And we've got a lemon tree out there who last year I went out and I gave it a really good pruning after watching a YouTube video. I always get so inspired at this time of the year to be in the garden, (laughs) which makes sense, but it's the only time that I'm inspired to be in the garden. Um, but I gave the lemon tree a huge pruning the way that they did in the, in the YouTube video. And we got so many lemons this year. It was crazy. And so I went out there to do it again on Sunday and Matt had already done a little bit of it. So, um, but what I'd noticed was down the bottom, there was all this ash. Like, it's like he'd emptied the fire pit there. And I was like, why have you done that? Ah. And he said, oh, they, they like the, um, I can't remember whether it was nitrogen or it was something that was in the ash that lemon trees like. And I'm like, oh, okay then. But I was like, why did you dump ash on the lemon tree? And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh my God, this is crazy. Like all these things, because I have no idea when it comes to gardening. So a lot of people that are listening are probably like, yeah, of course. But honestly, I had no idea. I'm like, why are you dumping the fire pit at the bottom of the lemon tree? But um, we had so much fun. We actually had so much fun. And I'm covered in cuts and and um, like little scrapes and it's just crazy. And, and I was sore. Like on Monday yeah. and Tuesday, my body was sore from it's spending physical, the entire sure. It is. It's yeah. actually a really good workout. It's good. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So I don't you know how we're going to go. Yeah. I don't know how we're going to go for lemons this year, but I've even got a crab apple tree at the back, which needs to Ooh. move. It doesn't like it there. So I said to Matt the other day, let's 
let's look into the crab apple tree and see where that might want to go a bit better and we might move that and grow little apples. When we first moved in here eight years ago, we used to get little teeny tiny green apples oh, and they would never wow. grow bigger. But yep. I'd love to be able to grow apples. Mm, I can have ginger and apple and lemon and I'm sure I could make something out of that. <laughs> For sure. And we have chilies. So I don't know how that's going to go. Anyway. Well, lemon and ginger go beautifully together. So They do. They mm. do. They do. And you can make um, your own little elixirs, healing tonics. So never going to be doing that. <laughs> but feel free to come to my place and steal stuff and do that. <laughs> Remember, I'm not a kitchen witch. Not well, maybe you are. Kitchen, not, no, yet. Def- not yet. I am definitely not a kitchen witch. I prefer to go and buy my oils pre-made and my tonics pre-made and somebody else's <laughs> magic. And I'm more than happy to consume other people's magic. Um, so as always, Shannon, that was very uh, inspiring and divinely timed and I loved it. Thank you so much. Do you have any final parting words for our listeners? Oh, I just wish everyone a beautiful Astara and many blessings for the season ahead. And once again, thank you so much for tuning in and all the beautiful feedback we've been getting. It's so heartwarming and, yeah, just really loving this space. I love our little virtual coven. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to just give a very quick shout out to Shannon, our our own resident witch at the Turns Out Network, because Shannon was asked to be a guest uh, on the Lucy Cavendish podcast. And for those of you who don't know who Lucy is, Shannon, can you just fill us in a little bit? I can. So she's one of Australia's most well-known witches. She's just such a beautiful soul and she's authored many books on every aspect of witchcraft and lots of oracle decks as well. And she has a podcast every Friday called The Witchcast, which I've enjoyed for years. So she's honestly been like an idol of mine for a long time. And yeah, when I got asked to go on her show, I was super, super psyched and just couldn't believe it really. So that, um, yeah, came out on Friday and yeah, tune in and have a listen and definitely give her a follow as well. Her work's beautiful. I'm so happy for you because I remember when I very first met you, you talked about Lucy Cavendish and, like, this is such an amazing um, honour, I guess, or but also uh, validation for you to be seen that, you know, that you're being seen in your space and your idol, you know, the person that you've, like, <laughs> loved for so long from afar, um, you've got to work with now, and that's magic. So I'm so happy for you, my friend, and I can't Thank wait you. to listen to it. Can't wait. Oh, it's just crazy. I still can't believe it happened, actually. It's um, definitely had a fangirl moment, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my love. Happy star, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Many blessings. See you next week. Bye.